Well, why don't you go to Ephesians since Pastor John's been covering out of Ephesians and we'll go there and see where we end up. Ephesians chapter 1. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1. I want to go ahead and pick up uh, one of the thoughts that Pastor John was leaving off last week. We'll just see where we go with it. Uh, verse 15 begins, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. I would like you to focus on verse 19 where it says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Now, um, one thing as a believer, and you got to understand this, that as a believer, there's only one possible way that you can live your life. Believers believe. That, that may sound like it's obvious, but it's not so obvious because getting the, the, the opportunity to do what I've done for as long as I've done it, I've come across a lot of believers that don't do a whole lot of believing. Mm -hmm. Now, the scripture teaches us, both in the Old and the New Testament, this is repeated multiple times throughout the Bible, that the just shall live by faith. And so when I see this line here that says the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, that tells me something, that God's dunamis, dunamis, however you might say the word, that's the Greek word that expresses this English word power. And, and it's a packed word because it's, uh, it's, it's all over the New Testament. You may not even have the English word power, but it's still the same Greek word dunamis or dunamis but this power if it's towards those who believe then the the situation is this is that if you don't believe then it's not towards you you know it, it's kind of like if I said I'm going to pour the water out right in this spot and I started pouring <laughs> If you weren't here, you wouldn't get wet. Because you'd be somewhere else other, where, other than where the water was going toward. Are you with me on that? So if you are a believer, God's power is towards you. But if you're not believing, it's not that the power isn't still powerful. And it's not that the power... It's still not available. It's just you, God told you where the bullseye was and you decided to take a trip down the street rather than just stand right out in front of the bullseye so you can get hit with the power. If you want it to be towards you, God told you where to stand so that he can hit the target. You know what I mean? Amen. To stand in faith, to be a believer because this power is towards those who believe. Now, 
that's a thought that I really want to take and uh, dig into tonight, uh, dig into tonight and, and really stir up your faith. There's no way as a believer that you can go very long without having your faith stirred up. A lot of people in this place, you're hearing faith talk for the very first time. A lot of people in this place, you've heard faith talk for years and years and years where you think you know it. Notice I said you think you know it. <laughs> but as long as you are living and if you are just, you got to live this way. And so then if you've heard it before, consider it a refresher on how to live because you're still living. And you still got some battles to fight and some victories to win. And besides that, you just got to get through tomorrow. And besides that, how important is this? The Bible says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty important, all right. <laughs> hey. So well, why don't we go ahead and uh, just take a look at a few things in the scripture tonight. And I want to stir you up uh, uh, right along this line that God's power is toward you who believe. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Before Ephesians is Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. It's the book before Ephesians, so you're close. And I want you to look at verse 5. It says, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. That word miracles is the word dunamis or dunamis. Uh, it's the same word as power over in Ephesians. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now that same verse in the New Century Version reads as follows. Does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you because you follow the law? No, he does these things because you heard the good news and believed it. I want you to understand this not just in the context of uh, understanding faith, but also in the context of what We've heard pastor minister on Sunday morning that the gospel is. All right, some people have been in church on Sunday, praise the Lord. Good news. So this gospel is good news. And so when you hear the good news, different people have different reactions to it. Some people hear the good news and think that's too good to be true. Some people hear the good news and say, wouldn't that be nice if it were true? But I want you to know that, that, that if you're going to go ahead and believe in God, that he is who he says he is, and that he's a God who cannot lie, who is of the utmost integrity, the utmost of trustworthiness, the utmost of character, the utmost of perfection. See, if he's good, his word's good. His word is good because he's good. You can take the word to the bank you could be sure of what the word says and the promises made to you, not just because it's written in a spiritual religious book, but because of the reliability of the one who uttered those words to you. I said it to the people here gathered for prayer last night, that 
the word's good because he's good. You can count on the word because you can count on him. Our faith walk and our faith in the word, our faith in hearing this good news is not just because we're hearing something and we say, oh, wow, you know, that's good news. And, and, you know, like I described the reaction, could it be true? Wouldn't it be nice if it were true? But how do you know that it is? You know it is when you know the ultimate character, perfection, integrity, and faithfulness of the one who uttered the words that in order for the word to fail, this one who spoke it would have to fail. And because he can't fail, therefore the words that he utters cannot fail. Amen. Hallelujah. So, this giving of the Spirit and working of miracles, working of power, working of dunamis among the people did not happen as a result of following the law. It happened as a result of what? Hearing the word and believing it. Hearing the good news and believing it. Or as we read here in the New King James, by the hearing of faith. You heard it, you believed it, and as a result of you hearing and then you believing, God's power is towards those who believe. And when somebody simply believed the good news that was told to them, it opened up the floodgates of power to be able to flow into their lives because God's power is towards those who believe. Oh, yeah. Go to Romans 1. Now, this is a little ABC 1, 2, 3, but there's something about ABC 1, 2, 3 when you get it and the light bulb goes on and you say, oh, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. And nobody can ever take it away from you. Hallelujah. Now, how important is this? Because how many of you, and don't be shy, because I'm going to raise both hands, all right? I'll raise a leg, too. <laughs> how many of you have situations in your life that require some power to flow into to fix it? All right. I got people with me. All right. This is good. So, so therefore, you'd be interested in this kind of topic. All right, this is good. Romans 1, are you there? Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. So this gospel, this good news about Christ is the power, the dunamis of God to salvation or which produces salvation. Well, that's great. What's salvation? Well, uh, the salvation here, it's the Greek word soteria. And besides meaning being saved, it also means being rescued. It means safety. It means deliverance. And it even means health. Somebody needs to know that the same God who loves your spirit and loves your soul is also committed to the healing of your body. So committed that he allowed his very own son to take stripes on his back for our sickness and disease. And with his stripes, we are, we were healed. Glory to God. 
So this is part of this package, this salvation package. Rescue, safety, deliverance, health. So the gospel is the power of God that brings or that produces salvation, rescue, safety, deliverance, and health. But who does it do that for? For everyone who believes. Oh, yeah. So now we understand that the gospel or the word is the power of God. We saw that. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation. So God's word, you can't separate his word and his power. Now go to 1 Thessalonians 2. This is Bible study night tonight. We we going to faith school tonight. Come on, yeah. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Hallelujah. Now we just saw that the gospel is the power, or you might say his word is his power, the word of God. Is the power of God. Now, take a look at 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. Now, now here's the thing. When the Bible repeats itself, it does that for a reason. When the Bible is repeating itself, we sure better pay attention. Here we go. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So the opposite of that must be true that if you do not believe, then the word cannot effectively work in you. Because it effectively works in people who believe. And it's interesting how many times you've heard somebody say, well, yeah, that's your theory or that's your thought about it. You know, and and where they're trying to demean the words being spoken by, put it on a, a, a man's level and say, well, you're just another man out of billions of men saying what they think. And where at that moment, you're not just there saying what you think. You're there at that very moment repeating the word of the infallible almighty God. That's not just what you think. So at that moment there, when somebody is uttering the word of God, when they are repeating and proclaiming what God has already said, that's a point in time where that word cannot be received as just Joe's opinion about something or, or Mary's thoughts about something. No, this is beyond Joe and Mary here because they are saying what God said, God's word. You see, God don't have opinions. Pastor John told us that. God don't have opinions. He just says it and it is. If God said grass is orange, then guess what? When you get up in the morning and you look outside, you're going to have an orange yard. See, because God's word is different from man's word. And there's something about what we see here that Paul described in this verse, that when these people heard what they heard, they did not just say, oh, yeah, 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 that's a nice thing to say. Yep, uh, you've got your opinion, and that guy down the street in uh, Ephesus got his opinion, and the guy over there in Philippi has his opinion too. No, 
They took what they heard and heard it as though they were hearing words straight from the lips of the master himself. And therefore, this was profitable to them. And the word that they heard effectively worked in them because they believed it. And part of that believing is that they gave it its proper status. One thing for us to realize whether we're really believing the word or not is this. Do we give the word proper status in our life? Or do we consult our own opinion and the opinion of others and weigh that equally and evenly with the word as though, well, let's see, there's God's option, there's my option, there's Susie's option, and LaQuisha's option. Which one should I take? <laughs> and so, so you hear, and you're just treating what God said as though it's just another option. God's word is not just another option. So for you to really be a believer, that means you are giving the proper respect and the proper place to the word of God. And by so doing, you're putting that on a status that is not equal to others, but above all others. Which means if somebody else agrees with God, you're all right. But if everybody else's thought and opinion here at this table disagrees with what he said, then I, I'm shutting mine down, I'm shutting yours down, and I'm only going with one. I'm going with his. Now, if you're a real believer... You'll do that. Because if you don't do that, you obviously believe that this time you might have the edge. Or that somehow God didn't fully think this one through. So the, whether you're a real believer or not, and I'm not throwing rocks at you. I'm just helping us examine ourselves and I need to examine myself in this very same way. The, the, the position that I'm giving to the word has to be the word is first place. Amen. It has to be that way. If it's anything else other than that, then the word cannot effectively work in me because I'm really not believing. Hallelujah. Oh, you ready to have some fun? Go to 2 Peter 1. Yeah. Second Peter 1. So we got started with that awesome line in Ephesians, and I'm not sure we'll go back to Ephesians for the rest of the night. But Ephesians got this party started. Hallelujah. Second Peter chapter 1. As, uh, this is verse 3. As his divine power. Once again, that same Greek word, talking about that same substance. Has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So we understand that his power is toward us who believe. So if you're not believing, then the power is not towards you. And therefore, if that were the case, what are you missing out on? You'd be missing out on all things that pertain to life and godliness because his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, to the natural part of your life and the spiritual part of your life. You understand that? Now, if you are not 
believing, then God would really, really still love you to have this, but his power only is flowing towards those who believe. So if you're not believing, what are you going without? You're going without these necessary ingredients that you need in your life Everything that pertains to life and godliness, everything that pertains to your natural life and your spiritual life. Besides those two, what else you got? You don't have an outer space life, do you? So you're dealing with either your spiritual life or your natural life. And if you, by not believing, are blocking these things from coming to you, that, as the founder of this church would call it, is shooting yourself in the foot. That is the most self-defeating thing you can do because you are holding off the things that God knows you need, that God wants to get to you, but the thing is God can't change the rules around to get it to you anyhow. God does not adjust to us. We adjust to God. Let's look at some real life examples here. Let's look at some real life examples of where the power of God was allowed to flow and also where it was not allowed to flow. Are you ready? Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. We all need this because we need everything that pertains to life and godliness. If God's got it, (laughs) we need it. If God wanted to get something to you and you didn't even know what the value of it was, you just got to take it to the bank that if God thinks you need it, you certainly must need it even if you ain't smart enough to figure out you did it yet. That's what being a believer really is. Which means even if I don't see it, if he said I need it, then I need it. Even though I don't see the need, if he says I need it, I believe him. Even if if I ain't got this figured out yet and may not fully understand the, the what, the when, the why, the how, or anything else... But if God says he wants to get something to me, if God wants to get it to me, then I need to stop, drop, and roll and do whatever I got to do to get that thing in my life and to remove any blockage in the way from that thing coming to me. Because so many times we blame God for us not having things in our life. And we need to realize this, that, can I be honest with you, even when it comes to me, my money's always going to be on him. My money's never going to be on me. And my money's certainly not going to be on you. But, but, but you, you see, we, we, we deal with this so often, you know, just a mentality where, where men and women trying to justify themselves. And it's interesting that, you know, this is interesting, that there's a term in scripture where it says that the publicans and the sinners who were baptized in the baptism of John, it said that they justified God. And you know what? If you're going to justify somebody, don't justify yourself. Don't try to plead your case or defend yourself or to make yourself look like you're right. You know you're wrong, so stop trying to do that. (laughs) Rather than doing that, can we be people who would say, as for God, his way is perfect. As for God, whatever he said, 
you look like Mary's great advice on the day of that wedding feast in Cana. Whatever he says to you, do it. Because the proper place and the proper esteem is given to his words. Hallelujah. Mark 5, are you there? I gave you a long time to get there. Verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power, there's that word, power, had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, several things you need to see. First of all, when you go to the end of the story, Jesus clearly states what caused this person to be uh, healed. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Now, where did that faith originate? Well, you can go back to verse 27 and see that little line there where it says, when she heard about Jesus. Because how does faith come? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Now, So she heard about Jesus, and what she heard about Jesus gave her faith to believe that she could get rid of this condition that no doctor could get rid of for her. So what she heard about Jesus obviously had a whole lot to do with Jesus being a healer of people's physical bodies. And she was absolutely convinced that if she could just bust through the crowd and grab the very fringe of Jesus' garment, that she could get rid of this thing that's been dogging her for 12 years, and that's exactly what happened. Now, verse 30 tells us something very interesting. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. So he turned around and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples basically said, Jesus, everybody is touching you. What do you mean, who touched you? Now, that communicates something to me that there was a whole lot of people who came close to power came in contact with power but did not get any benefit of power. But this woman got the benefit of the power what is the difference what was the difference between her touch and the touch of everybody else there she heard something she got faith by what she heard and then she said something about what she believed You can read it there. For she said, if I would only touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. And she was. Now, 
this stuff that flowed out of Jesus into her is the same stuff that is inside of you. It is in you twofold. By the word of God and by the spirit of God. The word of God is the power of God. The spirit of God is the power of God. The Bible teaches both things very clearly. And you, when you realize that the same stuff that could leave Jesus' body and go into this woman who was sick for 12 years and the Mayo Clinic and Leahy Clinic and all the other clinics couldn't do anything for her. And then in a minute, she was well. I just want you to realize, think about it. Right now, at this moment, as a believer in the Lord Jesus, with the word of God abiding inside of me, with the spirit of God abiding inside of me, the same power that flowed out of Jesus and healed sick people is inside of me right now. Right now. Right now. Now, the same power that left the body of Jesus and flowed into this sick woman's body and caused her to be instantly well of this 12-year-old long disease, that same power is in me because I've got the word in me. I've got the spirit of God in me. The word of God is the power of God. The spirit of God is the power of God. That same substance is in me and it's in me right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you didn't get it, you say it again. Right now. <laughs> I'm not going to go through it again. But, 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 but I want you to rehearse that to yourself as often as you need to. Because what that is, that's called meditating. That's called meditating. And, and, and what you're meditating on is the reality of who you are and what you've got. Right now, not someday when you get to heaven, when we all get to heaven. And thank God we're going, glory to God, and I'm excited about it. But God has laid it out like this, where godliness is profitable to you, not just in the life to come, but in the life that is right now. So you get the blessing both ways, hallelujah, here and in the life to come. Oh, can you stand a little bit more? Hey, go to Acts 14. All right. I drained one, so I got my extra. Here we go. Acts 14. Are you with me? Stay with me. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> we're having some fun with this. Acts 14, verse 7. And they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. 
I want to walk you through this. What were they preaching there? The gospel. So this man heard Paul speaking, which means this man heard what? The gospel. (laughs) And then after this man heard the gospel, Paul realized something, that by what he heard, he got faith. And he had faith to be healed, even though he was a man who was a cripple from his mother's womb, never walked a step. I mean, from the moment he saw the light of day, he never walked. And then hearing what he heard, faith came to him that he could walk again. Not walk again, walk the first time because he never had Paul said, stand up right on your feet. And he leaped and he walked. You see, the word, faith came by hearing the word and faith acted upon. Come on. Faith acted upon. And he had the results that that power could give. Now, now here's the thing. This is pretty amazing. Some of you may look at this and say, wow, could this really be true? Absolutely, it's true. The real truth is not that this is far-fetched. The real truth is that we have lived far too long lower rather than higher. We've lived far too long in a place where we've gotten satisfied and content with lack of power and lack of results. And come up with things like, well, the Lord in his infinite wisdom has seen fit to afflict this person and to take them out and not allow them to see you know, their 35th birthday or whatever the case is, God in his wisdom has decided this. It's interesting. When you read the Gospels, you see God being a whole wise on a whole different level than that. And I'm thinking, if God's that way today, why isn't there some clear Bible examples of that that you can see in the ministry of Jesus? The real truth of the matter is that people have portrayed God as something that he is not to excuse their own failure and lack of results and lack of power. And I'm not saying I got the answer for everything because I certainly don't, but I do know this. There's a whole lot more to be had than we've had yet. And those that are hungry and thirsty for it are going to start experiencing it. Glory to God. Go to Luke 5. We want to look at a few more things here before we wrap it up. So so we've seen here cases where the the power flowed. Now I want to look at a case where the power did not flow. I want you to go to Luke 5. Hallelujah. Luke 5, look at verse 17 here. It says, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That's an astounding verse. Who's the them? Pharisees and teachers of the law that were sitting by that had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. But as you keep reading here, you see that guys bust through the roof here 
uh, with, with this man on a stretcher. Jesus said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And then these very same uh, uh, guys who were there that the power of the Lord was there to heal them start complaining at Jesus. Said, who, who do you think you are? You just being a man saying you can forgive sins. Nobody can forgive sins but God alone. And what happened is that this man who came in on the stretcher that you read in these next few verses, he got healed. And there is no record in scripture of any of these Pharisees or teachers or doctors of the law getting healed. Even though the scripture clearly states that the power of the Lord was present to heal them and none of them got squat. Well, well. Go to Mark 6. Go to Mark chapter 6. We're going to Mark 6 and then going one other place and then we're done. We're almost done. Mark 6. Hallelujah. Mark 6. Let's start reading with verse 1. It says, then he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hand? Is, not the, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there. Mighty work. It's two English words. It's one Greek word. It's the word for dunamis. It's the word power. Now he could do no dunamis there. He could do no power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. So here's a case where other than a few sick people getting healed, there were no mighty works. There was no real demonstration of power here as there had been in so many other places through the ministry of Jesus. And the reason the scripture clearly states that the power was interrupted and flowing here was because of their unbelief. Now, one last thing for you to see. Hebrews 4, this is it. But this is a monumental verse and an eye-opener. Hebrews chapter 4. And I almost dare say, there's a lot of things that I want you to remember tonight. But this here is one very significant thing to remember. Hebrews 4, verse 2. Are you ready? And he's talking about the people of Israel here, just so you know the context. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Talk about two people hearing the same thing preached. The gospel was preached to us as well as to them. The same gospel, which is the same power of God, carrying the same soteria, salvation, rescue, safety, deliverance, health. And the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. 
That's why it is so important that when you're hearing the word, you're, you're mixing faith in. Because you see, uh, if, if you look at it as a recipe, you know, and, and you're doing some mixing in the kitchen. If there's an ingredient that's left out of the mix, the recipe don't work. Something's not going to rise. Something's going to flop. Something's something not going to taste right because there's a missing ingredient. And here's the thing. If you're listening to the gospel and you think, well, this is the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God. But if you don't have faith in what you are hearing, then what happens? It will not profit you. It won't do you any good. The very same gospel that's called the power of God, the very same gospel that you see has brought so many results to the lives of other people. But for you, if you don't mix faith in with the recipe, you don't get any benefit from it. And this is not the only place in the word that illustrates that. Just think as far as the parable of the sower, where there are four different kinds of soil and the same seed is planted in all four different kinds of soil. And there's only one out of the four that really gets it. And even in that one category, you got 30, 60, and 100 fold. I pray that you're challenged tonight to really know what it is and desire to seek what it is to be a believer. Because it's only by being a believer that you really get the benefit that God wants to get to you. The power can't flow any other way because his power is towards us who believe. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we honor you tonight and give you glory. Thank you for your spirit in this place and for communicating to us by your spirit and by your word tonight. Father, I pray that our lives are changed in a great way because of what we've heard tonight in Jesus' name.